Let's go to the Lord for just a moment of prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. For your word is truth. Your word is is authority. Your word is your love story to all of us. And so in these moments, we don't want to miss what you have for us today. So tune our hearts to yours that we would be transformed into the image of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me this morning to Exodus chapter 34. It's right back here. It's right here. Uh, I've got a, a scar that's about like this big on the back of my head. It's like a raised little thing. And maybe you have one somewhere. If when you were a kid, you had a, an accident and had to get stitches. Maybe you were in the pool and you cracked your head and you had to, or maybe you were trying to ride a tricycle like down the stairs or something. Mine was when I was 10 years old, my brother and I, we went down the street to play at a local park and we got down there and we have a bunch of friends in the neighborhood. It was over in Garland, Texas and over there, there's that black dirt and when it would rain, it would make like dirt clods over there on the ground. And we could get those and throw them at each other and they'd just go, you know, kind of break and they weren't like real dangerous, but we'd like hide around everything, trees and throw them, have a lot of fun. One day we were down there and, and we were having a good time, and I look up, and this new kid shows up, and he, man, he's big. He's like the, the bully. He's like, and I'm like keeping one eye on him while we're playing, and I, I look over at him, and he looks at me, and we kind of lock eyes, and I'm thinking, oh, no, and then he reaches down, and I, I see him hurl something toward me, and as it's coming, it's like slow motion, like the Matrix, and I'm looking, at it, and I think, this is like white. This isn't like the black dirt. This is a rock, and instinctually, I turn like this, and I hear this rock glance off of an aluminum picnic table. I hear the bing, and then in like a split second, well, and like crashed into my skull. And I was like, oh, and this flash of light in my head. And I went like this and looked down and I just saw blood and I was panicking. And I, I ran down the street back toward my house a block away. And my friends were like, what's he doing? And they came after me. I bust in the house and my mom's like, put your head under the sink in the kitchen. My dad goes, get some Comet, put it on there. It'll be all right. I was like, oh man. My friends showed up a few minutes later during the in the den, and I walk in there, and they're like, man, you all right? I'm like, yeah. They're like, we're going to get this guy. I know where he lives. And they'd already come up with a strategy. We're going to, I know what block he's on. This guy, this cannot stand. This bully, we're going to go take him out. Thank goodness for him. My mom stepped in and said, nobody's leaving the house. We're all staying here. But what it is is from the time we were little kids, like we didn't have to go to Sunday school and be taught this, that, that when somebody injures us, somebody makes us suffer, what is it? We have this knack inside of us, this thing, this instinct that we want to get back at somebody. We want to pay them back. We can't let this injustice stand. We want justice. And as we grow up and we mature in our faith and we begin to get closer to the Lord, the truth is that somewhere deep within our hearts hiding is still this battle that we face in this area of our lives that we 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 look around at the world and we see injustice happening and how can these people that are doing wickedness get away with this God and it seems like they're not just getting away they're prospering and and Lord like what are you going to do and we get jaded and we go God I didn't ask for this I'm just trying to live my life in peace over here and then all of a sudden this is coming on me and so Lord what are you going to do like what I got to pray for them 
I gotta bless my enemies? Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. Like if I do that, then it's just gonna embolden them to, to do more. And so we, we want justice. Over these past few weeks here, we've been in a sermon series starting off the new year called Focus. And we've been going through a key text in the Old Testament, one of the most quoted passages of Scripture in all of the Old Testament. It's Exodus chapter 34. It's when God appears to Moses and he, he tells him about himself and he gives him his attributes. Because here's our tendency in, as humans, we, we begin to get away from God and we begin to come up and conjure up our own vision of who he is and, and through our experiences and it may not line up with what he is. And so he comes to say, I want to reset and refocus your vision of me and let you see my heart. And so we're going to dive in for a few moments and look at what the Word of God says as we continue this series this morning. Let's look at our text beginning in verse 6. And he, God, passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Now look at this. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. So we've learned in the last weeks that he is a compassionate God. That he is slow to anger and thank goodness for that. And today we're going to look at the justice of God. And I want to just put a little teaser for you to come back next week as we look in here and we say, what does this mean? I don't understand. How does he punish the children for generations? And Pastor Tim's going to wrap up the series next week on the 31st as he dives into and explains and teaches on that part. So come back and hear how this whole thing wraps up. But this morning, we're going to look at the, the justice of God. As his children, many times we can get distracted and we can say, hey, you know, I'm trying to, to put this together. God, I, I see that you created the world, but the world is not fair. And so th does that mean, God, that you're not fair? I mean, it's, you said you're, you're good and you're gracious, but then how can you send good people to an eternity in hell separated from you? It just doesn't make sense. And so we're gonna, we're gonna unpack this and look at the justice of God and about how he punishes sin. And we're gonna, hear some good news. So stay with me this morning as we dive into it. And the first thing we're going to learn is that we have a judge in God who is a perfect judge. He never misses a call. If you grew up playing baseball or softball like me, you know, like behind the plate, what is it? You got an umpire. He sits in there and there's a, a strike zone, this little box. And his job is just to, to call it. Did it go in or out? It's a call in the balls and the strikes. And imagine if there was like a, an umpire that started out like in the little leagues and he worked his way up through college. He got to the majors. He's out there and he's calling games. And one day he finally retires and he says, you know what? In all my career, I never missed a single call. We'd be like, yeah, right, dude. Like, like you might have missed one. You didn't even know it. You got it wrong. And so he, can you imagine what it would take to do that? And we, it's impossible. God says, I never miss a call. I'm the perfect judge. I see everything in this life before me, and I never mess it up. Here's the truth today about our just God, that he is not bound by a system of justice. He is just he is justice. It just flows from him, and he can't make a mistake. He has perfect wisdom. 
Listen to how this pastor and author named Chip Ingram summarizes it. He has a great quote in, in one of his books. He says, justice is not a standard that God follows. He is the standard. It's part of who he is. Justice means that people are going to get what they deserve based on God's clear and full understanding of what they did and why they did it. God sees everything. He knows the motive of the heart. He can look at a situation and say, it was this an accident or did these people have intent in their heart for malice and it was premeditated. He can see all the motives like a giant chessboard in 4D. He's working and he sees all of everyone's life and how everything fits together. Listen to how the psalmist characterizes it in Psalm 75. He says, but it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up the other. John in Revelation goes on to say this, Yes, Lord, God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. So this morning you can know that you are in the hands of a just God who's going to use wisdom and and, and he's going to look into your situation. But how many times in our lives do we, we, we get tripped up and we want, to, we want to put on that black robe of justice, don't we? We put it on, zip it up, put that powdered wig on and get a gavel and just start doling out judgment on people like what are they doing how could they and we just we want to take it on ourselves but God says I am the just judge because I see it all and I know everything we don't one day a young dad went with his two daughters out to a park to go walk around and he had two girls that were five and one was seven and he put his seven-year-old daughter on his back and they were walking through the park and they had a great time and it was time to head back to the car. And so they were heading to the parking lot and right then they come across this older gentleman. He's kind of like a little grumpy and he was like under his breath, like I can't, that's what's wrong with kids these days, just carrying them like they should walk themselves. And the dad was like, wait a minute, what? Like he turned around and he said, excuse me, sir, what did you, what did you say? He said, I don't know, I just think that these kids, we just pamper them too much. You ought to just make her walk herself. The dad stopped for a second. He said, sir, you don't understand. My daughter had brain surgery three months ago. And she's just getting her, her legs back. And she's just now beginning. And so I'm carrying her to the vehicle. Wow, in that moment, the, the older gentleman, you should have seen his face. The color drained and the, the shame came over him. And he was just like, tears began to fill his eyes. And he said, I'm, I am so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. And the dad said, you're, you're forgiven. There's no way you could have known, sir. How many times do we look at a situation and we, we cast a judgment when we don't have all the facts and, and we don't know everything and we just think and we make these snap judgments, God saying, I am just because I can see how everything fits together and I want you to, to trust me. Brings us to this question on your outline if you're following along today. It's why is there a judge? Like why do we need a judge? Quickly, it goes back to the, to the very beginning. If you go back to the garden when God created all of the world and he placed Adam and Eve in there, our very first parents. And he, he didn't give them the Ten Commandments. At this point, he gave them what? Just one rule, don't eat the fruit. And they couldn't even hang with that one. Like, they messed that up. They break the law. They get outside of the will of God. And they basically, like, I don't care what you say. And they did it. And so they fell into Excuse me, they fell into sin. And the Bible says this in Romans 3, 23, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
even if we could live a perfect life and never sin, which we can't, the Bible says, but even if we could, we're still born under the inheritance of this sin from our parents, Adam and Eve. We're under this curse. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of that sin is going to be what? It's death. That's pretty stern. That's pretty strong, God. The wages of sin is death. That something is going to give up its life for this sin to be paid for. As we look here in the next few moments about what God wants us to know, he's saying that, that sin is serious in my court. There's no plea bargains. There's no way that you're going to get out of this because here's what sin is. Sin is not just breaking the law. It's we go against the law giver, the one, the heart of our loving God. He's a jealous God. He wants our affection. And when we sin, we basically say to his, his standard over here, God, forget you. I'm going to go over here and do what I want to do. And so we break the heart of God and we're going to see what punishment looks like and what judgment looks like as we move forward today. And we're going to see that there's basically two kinds of judgment. There's eternal judgment and then there's earthly judgment eternal judgment. Jesus teaches this. At the end, there's going to be a reckoning. There's going to be a day when he comes back, and there's going to be a separation. If you look in scripture, Jesus says that there's going to be a day where I separate the sheep from the goats. You go, man, I, which side? I want to be on the good side. What is that? And the, he says the sheep are those ones that are covered under his grace. The, the ones that have come into relationship by faith and experienced his grace, and we're under his umbrella of forgiveness of our sins, and we acknowledge him as our Lord, and we say, Jesus Christ, you are my Savior. On the other side, you got the goats. These are the people who, they've wandered off out away from the grace of God into their own rebellion, and, and here's the truth. They're not even sorry about it. They live unrepentant and bowed up in, in disobedience, and they deny the power of God and the the crucifixion and the resurrection. They, they, and so God is saying, I didn't push you over here into the goat category by your, your life. You put yourself there. And so there's gonna be an eternal judgment that's coming someday. And you say, how do I escape it? Maybe for the first time today, God is stirring in someone's heart in this room that he's, he's calling you into the faith. And, he, and he's, he's saying the Holy Spirit is moving and and I want, to, I want to call you into my family. Don't resist. Don't, don't reject me. Come into my family and, and escape the eternal judgment that is to come. And listen to how Paul talks about this wrath that, that is coming on people who turn against him. Romans chapter 2, Paul says, But because of your hard and impenitent hearts, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So there's coming a day when this wrath of God against all sin, he is an, an eternally holy God and he's holier than our minds can even conceive and we are more sinful than we even realize and his anger and his wrath burns against it and it's like a, a great fire of destruction that's gonna sweep. You think about the fires in California and the wildfires and millions of acres as this fire just consumes and scorches and it's the wrath of God that's gonna be poured out on sin. There was a young couple that got married in an old country church. 
in a little town. And if you've ever been to these little country churches, you know that they don't always update like their decor a lot. Like the, the pictures might be kind of like dated and like the flowers, are like those plastic ones with dust all over them. But they were going to make the best of it. They got in there in the fellowship hall and they set it up and it was a time for the reception and the photographer and everybody, grandma's there and they get to the cake and they do the cake thing and they, oh it's so sweet and then they get home and about three weeks later the, the, the scrapbook arrives from the photographer they're like sit down on the couch and let's go oh look at that remember that oh that was so pretty and they get to the cake picture and they're like oh look at that remember that fellowship hall and they look past themselves and on the wall behind them they see a picture and they say oh man this is great oh look at i didn't even notice this picture it's got a scripture verse on it the husband said oh man this could be a sign this this could be god's life verse for us as a couple like let's get a bible look it up and so the he looks it up it's matthew 3 7 and he begins to read it hesitantly it says flee the wrath that is to come We joke about the wrath of God, but it's serious for those outside of Christ and relationship with him. God's, his justice demands that wrath be poured out. And so we have a dilemma now and we say, here's God, a loving, merciful God, but he's also got to pour out wrath and judgment. How is this all going to work? How's this equation going to play out? How's this going to be made right? Because if God on one side of it says, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. Like your sin's not, and I just writes it off. That's called cheap grace. Oh, our grace is so expensive. God said, I'm going to rectify this situation and I'm going to do something that's called a substitution for you. If you've ever played volleyball, remember like if you're out on the court and you got the team and, and the whistle blows and there's a break in the action, the coach over here might hold up like a little number thing and, the, uh, and some player from the bench will run out onto the court and they sw switch out the number thing. And so there's a substitution. And that's what God is saying. He's done for us that his wrath needed to be poured out and he was is deserving to be poured onto us. And he said, I'm gonna sub, I'm gonna sub in my son for you. And he's gonna go to the cross and the payment is gonna be placed upon him. So at the center of our faith, we see right before our eyes a violent act of God's vengeance played out on the cross and the cross says today to you and me that this is the most horrific instrument but at the same time it's the most beautiful story of grace the cross is there to to show the seriousness of sin God says I don't I take this very seriously I've got to demand the life of my son for you and so he says, I'm gonna make this equation right. I'm gonna substitute in my son for you and I'm gonna pour on him my judgment so I don't have to pour it out on you. And that, my friends, is a loving, a loving judge. That is the most loving judge. Listen to how Jesus talks about it in John 5. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. And will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And so if you're in faith in Christ and you're a believer in him, you don't have to fear and worry that when the day comes, it's, Jesus says, you are among the sheep and I'm not pouring out my wrath on you. You are a part of my family. Isn't that great news? We don't have to face the 
eternal punishment and judgment. The second one is this, the earthly justice. Earthly justice and punishment. This is one we kind of get tripped up on. Like we see things happening in our lives and people's lives that, that are difficult and they're suffering and, and we, get, we get messed up. But, but we got to realize that sometimes when these things happen that it's the discipline of God on earth. He's, he's trying to get our attention. He's causing us to go through something. He's nudging us back. He's like, hey, I'm getting your attention. Come back to my heart. But there's also a group of people, these unrepentant sinners that are living, that they're in, there's nations that are calling the things of God that are right. They call them wrong. And these things are getting turned upside down. And, and God is saying, you better repent and come back to me or I'm going to pull my hand of blessing off of you. And I'm going to rain down some earthly punishment. And we see things happening around us, but sometimes we don't see it playing it out as fast as we want to. We say, God, this, this lady at work, she's cutting me behind my back and she's getting away with it. Like, why don't you step in and do something? God, my, my neighbor, he's, he's slandering me in the, the neighborhood and, and I see abuse and I see neglect. And God, where are you going to step in? We begin to say, God, I want you to see you, you, you just pour out some earthly justice and I want it now. And that's where we struggle, isn't it? That we want justice now. We feel like justice denied or justice delayed is justice denied. And we want to see it played out swiftly right now, God. You and I were tempted to, in the flesh to, to take back ourselves. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to. God's not acting fast enough. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna step in in our flesh. We're tempted to, to, to stop praying and leaving it before the Lord. And we even begin to sometimes doubt that if he's even hearing us, we wanna pay those people back and get even. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 12 as he's teaching us to walk with a different viewpoint. He says, be Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. And look at this little phrase, to the contrary. He says, don't just go and, and not pour out your wrath, but I want you to do something to the contrary, to go the extra mile. And now he says this, to, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. We struggle with this. We want revenge. We want to strike back when somebody wrongs us. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, if, you're, if your enemy hurts you, buy all of his children a drum set. <laughs> Sorry, Rick. We want to get back, and it just, it, sometimes it just feels good. But God... He calls us to a new way of life in him, a new standard in him. And he says, I am the just judge. And you were going to go too far. I'm going to exact exactly what needs to happen. You say, what? God, it's the eye for an eye. If somebody punches out my tooth, but what do we do? Instead of just punching theirs out, we want to just punch all of them out and give them a whole set of dentures. We go too far, but God says, trust it to me because I'm going to dole it out just like it sees fit in my perfect wisdom. And so let go. God is saying to you and to me, saying, I want you to liberate yourself from that, that bitterness and that thing you've been holding on to and that vindictiveness and that revenge and let it go. 
And to the contrary, he says, I want you to instead live out love. Live as Jesus lived, turning the other cheek. Listen to how our Savior lived. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this about Jesus. He committed no sin, whether neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to whom? To him who judges justly. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds, you have been healed. So here we have Christ. He's being insulted. He's being spit upon and he could have retaliated. Imagine he's on the, the cross there hanging. His lifeblood is draining from him slowly as he's pinned to the wood and the sky is turning black. He could have looked down to his antagonizers and he said, you guys just wait. Give me three days and I'm coming back and I'm gonna finish this thing. I'm gonna level this playing field. I'm gonna settle this thing. But what did he say? He didn't say that. He said, Father, forgive them. God is saying, I'm calling you to do for others what I have already done for you. I want you to entrust yourself to me, God says. I want you to entrust yourself to the righteous judge. And as we wrap this message up today, I wanna leave you with two calls to action there uh, on your order of service. And the first one is this. I'm gonna call you to leave vengeance in the hands of God. Maybe you've been holding on and wrestling with something and, and God is calling you today. He says, just turn it over to me. But God, you don't understand. Like I've got, to, no, I want you to, to leave it with me. The second thing I'm gonna ask you to do is to ask yourself this question in your quiet time this week as you're praying, as you're before the Lord to say, who can I serve well this week? Maybe there's somebody that's, You've been wanting to pay back or, or get revenge. And God's saying, I want you to let go of that. It's not gonna be easy. You're not always gonna get it right. You're gonna, you're gonna mess this up sometimes, but I want you to begin to live with a new godly character and live as people of love. I wanna leave you with one way that you can do that in a tangible way this week. Our Mission director here at the church, Sue Dorn, she contacted a, a ministry group called Crossroads Prison Ministry. And she reached out to them and, and you have an opportunity to, to be a part of this. And what this is, is the, these prison wardens are telling us that in these institutions and prisons that the, they've had to lock down because of COVID these inmates into cells and they're getting anxious and they're restless and they're looking for things to, to do. And so what this ministry has done, they've sent Bible studies in there and these, these inmates will get them and do these Bible activities and fill out the report and send it in to Crossroads Ministry. And what they are calling on us to do, Crossroads is, is to sign up and then they're gonna send you a Bible study that an inmate has completed. And then you get to review it and you say, well, I don't know the Bible enough to make it. They're gonna guide you and they give you the resources of how to respond. Then they're saying, I want you to write an encouraging note to these people. Wow, the, the grace that, that here's someone who's been punished earthly on the earthly side and they're feeling the condemnation and feeling like they're all alone. And imagine if we came together and we stepped up and we brought hope and we brought the gospel and encouragement to some people who need to experience that. 
I want to encourage you to do that. You can text the word prison to our number there, and we're not going to round you up and put you in cuffs. We're going to get you the material. You can stop by the connection counter, and we have some printed out, and it'll explain it, and you can see how to sign up. When the world looks back at St. John and your life and mine down the road and the final chapter is written on our time on this earth, what's going to be said about you and me? Will it be said that, that they were a people who lived out the peace of Jesus Christ? They, they unclenched their fists and they extended their hands of service and love to a world that is crying out for some compassion right now. My prayer is that we would be those people and that we might just find that we on this side win a new friendship on earth, but we might just be part of God's eternal plan to snatch and save another hell-bound person out of the grip of separation for all eternity Will you do it? Will you step up? Will you go? God is calling you today. He says, rise up, my church, and go now and live as a people of peace. Live as people of love in a world that is so dark and desperately needs hope. To my honor and glory, he says, amen.